0: Welcome to the River S Discovery Trail provided by Friends of Ridgefield National Wildlife Refuge and the United States Fish and Wildlife Service. This edition of the River S Discovery Trail will be your guide along this 4.2 mile auto tour route from May 1st to September 30th. If you visited the refuge at different times of year you may notice how it changes with the seasons. This edition of the River S Discovery Trail interprets the wildlife and vegetation during the spring and summer on the River S unit of our Wildlife Refuge. Your tour begins at the Visitor Contact Station, where you may have received this audio. Before you start, take a look at the station's list of recent wildlife sightings. This list is an excellent reference for locating wildlife along the auto tour route. The Friends website, ridgefieldfriends.org, also maintains an updated list of weekly bird sightings. Before you leave the visitor contact station, be sure to pick up a refuge wildlife list so you can record your own sightings. It is also a good time to pick up a map of the auto tour and check out our other informative brochures. If you see a volunteer at the booth or any place on the refuge, please don't hesitate to ask any of your questions.
1: The $3 vehicle entrance fee covers daily access to both this auto tour and the Cardi unit of the refuge just north of the city of Ridgefield. There you can enjoy the Oaks to Wetland Trail, a year-round nature trail. The Cardi unit also has the Cathapodal Plank House, a replica of a Chinookan plank house, which is generally open on weekends from noon to 4 p.m. from April to late October. If you are visiting in the evening, Be sure to check the clock near the start of the auto-tour route that shows the closing time for the entrance gate. Expect to spend at least one hour. The auto-tour route is 4.2 miles and the speed limit is 15 miles per hour.
0: Be sure you have enough time to take it all in. Most of all, look, listen, and observe. Put on your hawk eyes and leave the city behind. The tour route is marked with 14 markers. You will start each section of this audio tour at one of these markers and listen as you slowly drive. When you hear this sound, it is time to pause the audio until you reach the next marker. Of course you can pause the audio any time to concentrate on something interesting. And now you are ready to start your tour at marker one, which you will see directly in front of the contact station. Marker one, as you look out over the fields and lake to the trees beyond, take a deep breath and take it all in. You can see more species of birds and wildlife here than any other place in the Portland metro area. You are on a national wildlife refuge, one of 550 across the United States. This is a place of rest and repose for wildlife. This is their home, their habitat. We humans are lucky to have such a special place to enjoy the wonderful creatures that live here and migrate through the region. During the winter months the refuge is home to thousands of ducks, geese and swans. These birds must remain undisturbed as they rest and feed if they are to survive the winter, so visitors must stay in their cars. But in the spring and summer when most of these waterfowl have migrated to their breeding grounds in Canada and Alaska. You are welcome to walk along the Auto Tour route or explore the 1.1 mile Kiwa Trail near marker number 8. If you want to walk any part of the Auto Tour route, please park in one of the paved parking lots. There are also small pullouts along the route where you may briefly leave your car. Please don't go too far so you can move your car if equipment or other larger vehicles need to pass. While hiking is allowed along the Auto Tour route and Kiwa Trail, Please note the white closure signs along public-use roads and trails. All adjoining fields, wetlands, dikes, and maintenance roads are closed to protect the nearly 100 bird species known to nest on the refuge.
1: Marker 2. Snipe hunt? You will notice that the markers are on your left. If you decide to stop, please be sure to pull over so that others may pass. Look closely at the lake on your left. The fallen trees and stumps are prime resting and hiding spots for turtles, ducks, herons, and snipe. Snipe? Really? Yes, snipe are real live shorebirds, not imaginary creatures from summer camp. You won't need a flashlight or pillowcase to catch a glimpse of a Wilson snipe. Just look carefully for a stocky shorebird with a long beak conspicuously perched on a log or post. Another great way to find snipe is to listen for an eerie sound from above. As part of their spring territorial display, male snipe fly high in the sky and dive again and again. During the dives, air rushing past widespread tail feathers produces a haunting fluttering sound.
0: Marker number three, four and 20 blackbirds. On your left, you see one of the refuge's largest stands of cattails. Cattail is an important native plant that shelters and provides food for wrens, blackbirds, waterfowl, and muskrat. Cattail keeps birds warm and conceals their nests. The Chinookan people who lived here for thousands of years dried and wove cattail into mats for kneeling, bedding, and insulation. They also ate the tubers and young shoots. A sure sign of spring are red-winged blackbirds perched on the cattails. Red-winged blackbirds arrive early in the nesting season. Males stake out their breeding territories by flaunting their brightly colored wings, chasing off intruders, and singing out their characteristic call. The prize they are competing for is prime nesting real estate that attracts multiple female red-winged blackbirds. The male may attract multiple females to his territory, but usually helps to rear only the offspring of the first nesting female. In this wetland, spring wildlife watchers can also see a civil war in progress. Just as the red-winged blackbirds are fighting to establish and maintain territories, their larger and more aggressive cousins the yellow-headed blackbirds show up. Males of both species fight each other for territories in the prime cattail habitat, with yellow-headed blackbirds usually gaining the larger territories over deeper water and pushing the red wings to the shallower wetland edges. Like red-winged blackbirds, yellow-headed blackbirds are polygamous, with the male attracting multiple females to his territory. All this strife is great for birdwatchers in the spring. Males of both species display, call from high perches, and defend their territory. Ridgefield Refuge is one of the most reliable places to see nesting yellowheads west of the Cascades. Their call sounds like this.
1: Marker 4, rising from the ashes. Look up! Here at the gate, you might very well see raptors, hawks, eagles, and other birds of prey, perching in the trees right above your head. By the way, this wide, straight portion of the road is open to two-way traffic, so if you decide not to continue on, you can turn around at a proper turnout and return to the entrance. On this straight portion of the road, you may encounter folks going the other way, so please pull to the right and be careful when stopping to observe wildlife. Once you turn left at the gate, you are on a one-way trip. The waterfowl, raptors, and other wildlife lucky enough to reside beyond this point truly live in a gated community. While portions of the River S and Carty unit are open to the public, Most of the refuge remains closed and is managed as sanctuary areas for the needs of wildlife. If you look carefully, you may notice young trees planted in blue tubes. These young Oregon ash trees are the same species as the taller trees surrounding the road. These tubes prevent mouse-sized rodents called voles from stripping the bark off the trees and killing them. The grass around the young trees is kept shorter than the surrounding fields. Voles construct small but elaborate trail networks below the grass to keep out of view of predators, and mowing exposes these trail networks to the watchful eyes of the hawks above. These plantings are part of the refuge's effort to restore and expand the woodlands that once covered much of the Columbia River floodplain. If you would like to help with this important work, there are many fun and rewarding volunteer opportunities here. When you finish the tour, Ask for a flyer about volunteering from the Visitor Check Station. You can help restore this important forest habitat.
0: Marker number five. The large Oregon ash trees that surround you are a riverbank or riparian forest. Taken their name from ripa, the Latin word for riverbank, riparian plant communities are situated along the edges of streams and floodplains. They are not constantly submerged like wetlands, but they always have water nearby, unlike the drier uplands. Riparian forests do many important things. They shade waterways, keeping them cool and full of oxygen in the summer, and they trap contaminants and impurities from adjoining uplands before they enter the waterways. Riparian forests reduce the damaging effects of floods by slowing down floodwaters and trapping the sediments they carry. During wet seasons, they absorb excess water like a sponge, returning it to the waterway in times of drought. Finally, the leaves, twigs, and bugs that fall from the trees into the water provide much of the basic food and nutrients for the fish and other critters that live there. The Oregon ash trees around you are an amazing wildlife resource. Mature ash trees are riddled with natural holes and crevices which can provide moist homes for frogs, hiding holes for raccoons, or cover for nesting bee colonies. Ash trees are host to many cavity nesting birds. Depending upon the size of the hole, you could see owls, wood ducks, woodpeckers, nuthatches, swallows, or wrens. Riparian forests stretch for miles along waterways, making them natural migration paths for many wildlife species, especially birds. Everyone but the driver, should look up into the tree canopy. During migration, this is a great place to view birds perching in the trees, including warblers, waxwings, finches, black-headed grosbeaks, peewees, kinglets, and wrens.
1: Marker 6, Vanishing Wetlands Beyond Marker 6 is a shallow wetland basin called Ruddy Lake. In early May, Ruddy Lake is usually a shallow wetland, But as summer wears on, the water is slowly drained and evaporates in the sun. By August, there isn't much wet in this wetland. Instead, the basin is probably a lush, green meadow. The refuge deliberately floods and drains this wetland every year to encourage the growth of native wildlife food plants. When they do this, they are imitating nature. Before the dams and levees were built, the Columbia River flooded nearly every winter and spring and the shallow lakes and marshes in the floodplain drain slowly over the summer. Before the first ducks and geese return in the fall, the refuge staff will flood this marsh again. The arriving birds will enjoy feasting on these plants and their seeds, and also the little bugs and larvae that feed on the rotting vegetation under the water. Unfortunately, there are many invasive plants that are fighting to take over these wetlands. Reed canary grass is one example. It can grow up to 8 feet tall and forms a thick mat of roots. Most native wetland plants stand little chance of outcompeting reed canary grass. During your visit, you may see how the refuge is combating reed canary grass. First, the plant is killed with herbicide. Then the roots and thatch layer are broken up with farming equipment. Although the reed canary grass will eventually come back, This process buys a few years for the native food plants to reclaim the wetland for hungry wildlife. Refuge staff and volunteers are working hard to locate and control other invasive species throughout the refuge. You can help us maintain healthy wildlife habitat by joining in and volunteering.
0: Marker number seven. Rest lake and a rest stop for you. After all that wildlife viewing, you deserve to get out and stretch your legs. Take this opportunity to park, use the restroom, or walk down the path to the observation blind over Rest Lake. This blind was reconstructed in memory of David Dines, one of the original members of the Friends of Ridgefield National Wildlife Refuge. You might note some of his reflections on the refuge as you walk the trail to the blind. The walk to the blind is another chance to see birds in the trees. Look and listen for the orange-crowned warbler, Buick's wren, Wrong creeper. And the western wood peewee. You might also notice the buzz and bites of mosquitoes. While mosquitoes may seem like useless pests to us, they do play an important role in ecology. Flying mosquitoes are eaten by swallows, bats, and even dragonflies. Mosquito eggs are eaten by other insects, and the developing mosquitoes may feed dabbling ducks. One group of mosquitoes called floodwater mosquitoes lay eggs in the soil that may stay dormant for years until they are saturated by rain or floodwater. And did you know that mosquitoes feed on nectar and are plant pollinators? Male mosquitoes live exclusively on nectar, while female mosquitoes also draw blood from other animals. Females need the protein and iron in blood to produce eggs. You've probably noticed that mosquitoes are most active at dawn and dusk. During the heat of the day, most mosquitoes will rest in a cool, protected area, such as a forest, to wait for the evening. However, should a blood donor walk through the woods and wake a female mosquito from her midday slumber, well...
1: Marker 8, Kiwa Trail. You've arrived at just the right time for a hike. The Kiwa Trail is open from May 1st to September 30th. This one-and-a-half-mile loop trail is accessible for wheelchairs and strollers. There are many different types of animals you might spot while you walk the Kiwa Trail. On sunny days, watch for painted turtles basking on the shore on logs and branches in nearby sloughs. It's also a good place to see small native amphibians. You may see red-legged frogs and Pacific tree frogs. If you see any larger frogs floating with just their eyes above the water's surface, those are likely bullfrogs. Bullfrogs can also be detected by their telltale squeak when they are spooked and jump into the water for safety. Bullfrogs are not native to the area. They were introduced in the early 1900s. Bullfrogs eat native amphibians and reptiles and have been linked to the decline of some native populations. The Kiwa Trail borders woodlands and wetlands. If you look carefully, you may see rails, soros, and snipe in the wetlands. The woodlands may offer sightings of towhees, yellowthroats, grosbeaks, western wood peewees, willow flycatchers, tree swallows, and cowbirds. Listen for the liquid gurgle of the cowbird. Cowbirds present a challenge to songbird preservation. They are brood parasites, which mean they do not make their own nests. Instead, they destroy the eggs in the nest of another bird and lay their own eggs there. The host birds don't notice the switch and rear the cowbird chicks as their own. Even if some of the host's eggs survive, the young cowbirds are larger and more aggressive than the host bird's own young and manage to get most of the food.
0: Marker number nine, a spoonful of sugar. Four teaspoons of sugar weigh 16 grams. This is about the weight of a willow flycatcher. Despite their drab appearance, willow flycatchers are an interesting little bird. They enjoy our glorious summers in the Pacific Northwest, then fly south to spend the winter in Central America, a 7,000-mile round trip. As an added twist, willow flycatchers return to the same territory every summer. In one long term study, female willow flycatchers returned to Oregon and constructed a nest in the exact same saddle of branches in the same shrub for years in a row. Watch and listen for willow flycatchers in the willows beyond the ash trees. Their call is a sneeze, Fitzbew, often delivered from high perches in its territory. It sounds something like this. On your right, you can peek between the breaks in the forest to see a bower slough. A slough is a shallow waterway, and this was one of the many narrow arms of the Columbia River that reached into the heart of the refuge, before dikes were built. If you get lucky, you might see beavers, muskrats, and river otters in the sloughs. River otters can be identified by their long bodies, playful nature, and graceful dives. Beavers, which come out mainly at dawn and dusk, Can occasionally be found if one is patient and observant. Muskrats are another rarely seen mammal that you could spot here. Watch for dark whiskers and a rudder-like trail on the water's surface propelling the animal along. The mammals seen most often along the sloughs and wetlands though of the refuge are nutria. The non-native nutria is not shy and can be seen swimming, sunning, and foraging along the waterways throughout the day. These large South American rodents were brought to the Pacific Northwest by fur farmers in the 1930s. Unfortunately, they escaped the nutria farms and have populated the Columbia River ecosystem. These water-loving rodents eat native vegetation and displace our native wildlife. Their burrows and tunnels cause thousands of dollars of damage to the refuge levee system each year. The refuge even has a few albino nutrias. Even if you don't see a beaver, scan the shorelines for evidence of their work. You may see many fallen or partially fallen ash trees along this portion of Bower Slough. Volunteers have placed protective sleeves on the base of some of these trees. Volunteers are also helping to save these beautiful ash forests by planting Oregon ash seedlings. If you would like to help, please check the Friends website for opportunities. Again, that is ridgefieldfriends.org.
1: Marker 10, Birdie Car Seat. To your right is Bower's Slough, a great spot to watch for Pied Bill Grebes. Look for a small, tan to gray colored bird with a blunt, chicken-like bill. In summer, the bill has a black band around it, giving it an appearance of pie stains, hence the Pied Bill name. Grebes are good swimmers and divers. Unlike many birds that take wing to flee from danger, grebes usually dive. Often these will be panicked plunges, but grebes can also induce a gradual submarine-like dive by compressing their feathers and reducing their buoyancy. They can stay underwater for up to 30 seconds and slowly surface their head like a periscope to see if the danger has passed. One interesting thing about grebes is they intentionally eat their own feathers. In fact, up to 50% of a pied-billed grebe's stomach contents may be its own feathers. It is thought that a grebe's gizzard can't grind up all the sharp fish bones it consumes, so the feathers are needed to protect its stomach and slow down the digestive process so the bones can be better digested. If this theory is correct, it makes you wonder why a fish-eating bird doesn't have a digestive tract better adapted to fish bones. If your timing is good, you might see parent grebes catching small fish and feeding them to their young. Did you know that grebes have another special way of caring for their young? To protect and keep their young warm, parents give young grebes a piggyback ride as they swim about. While this is uncommon among birds, there is one other bird that does this, and it can also be seen along the auto-tour route. Can you find another bird species with young birds hitching a ride on their parent?
0: Marker number 11, thin as a rail. Rails are notoriously stealthy and secretive birds and pose a formidable bird watching challenge. In 1842, famed naturalist John Audubon wrote of rails like this. On the least appearance of danger, they lower the head, stretch out the neck, and move off with incomparable speed, always in perfect silence. They have a power of compressing their body to such a degree as frequently to force a passage between two stems so close that one could hardly believe it possible for them to squeeze themselves through. To your left is a wetland where rails have been seen. Be warned, they are well camouflaged, and their bodies are laterally compressed or flattened. As Audubon noted, when they need to slip between plants, they can pull their feathers in close to their body to make themselves thin as a rail. On your next trip, you might also want to search Meadow Lake along the Keywood Trail for rails also. Ahead on your left, you might also see a large mudflat along the shoreline of Rest Lake. In August and September, watch for shorebirds like sandpipers, dowagers, and yellowlegs skillfully locating and consuming invertebrates to fuel up for their migration south to warmer areas. Shorebirds are interesting to study. Although they may look alike and feed in similar habitats, they have different combinations of leg and bill length. Long-legged birds can stand in deeper water, while short-legged birds need to stay close to the shoreline. For example, long-billed species can get prey deep in the mud while short-billed birds must glean insects near the surface. This subtle but significant difference in anatomy allows many types of shorebirds to forage in the same habitat.
1: Marker 12, resting again? Here we are back at Rest Lake. From this side, you get a good look at some of the waterfowl you couldn't see from the observation blind. In early spring, the slough bordering the road is a great place to see the magnificent cinnamon teal, when colorful males bob their heads up and down, trying to impress the females in their courtship display. Mallard and teal are the most common nesting ducks on the refuge, but Rest Lake is a good location to search for broods of other duck species. You probably know that while male ducks are brightly colored during the nesting season, Female ducks generally are drab. Because it is the female duck who sits on the eggs and rears the ducklings, it is critically important that she not attract predators. In late summer, this all changes. Male ducks lose their bright plumage, and males, females, and juvenile ducks all look very much alike. Identifying the species and sex of ducks at this time can be a big challenge for bird watchers. By the way, Coots are the other water birds that ferry their young on their backs. They can be seen at all times of year on Rest Lake. If you watch the reeds really closely, some of this foliage may look as if it is walking away. Don't worry, you aren't hallucinating. You're just lucky to have seen an American bittern. These birds are masters of camouflage, so it will take a lot of patience to find them. Here is their call.
0: Marker number 13, Raptor Cafe. Not only can you often spot a raptor here, northern harriers, red-tailed hawks, American kestros, there are other predators such as coyotes at work. The reason? These fields are a virtual buffet for meat eaters. These drier fields within the floodplain are full of mice and voles. The raptors, coyotes, and even herons are catching small mammals as they scurry for cover in the surrounding fields. Be patient and observant. You might see a snack captured before your very eyes. Another meal found along the road here is snakes. If you are lucky, you may see a heron catching a snake. This is truly a memorable experience as the snake wraps its tail around the heron's bill in a final, defiant act to avoid being swallowed. Finally, the snake is swallowed whole, writhing and wiggling its way down the heron's throat. Please watch for snakes along the roadway and try to avoid running them over. Garter snakes take advantage of the open roadway to sun themselves on cool or overcast days. Also please watch for killdeer along the auto-tour route. Killdeer are shorebirds that nest along rocky shorelines and the edges of gravel roads. In spring, killdeer arrange roadside rocks into a shallow cup-shaped nest. To lure predators away from the nest, Killdeer perform their famous noisy broken wing act by dragging a wing along the ground and stumbling away from the nest site. After the offending predator or car has passed, the killdeer is miraculously healed and flies away. This is a fascinating display to watch. Instead of following the adult, look at the spot where the broken wing drama started and see if you can find the well camouflaged nest.
1: Marker 14, Final Stop This is the final stop on the trip. Thank you for visiting Ridgefield National Wildlife Refuge. Every season is different, and there is always the chance that you will see something new and inspiring. John K. Townsend, a naturalist who was stationed at Sovie Island in Fort Vancouver in the 1830s, had these remarks on springs in the lower Columbia River. The spring brings with its fruits and flowers hosts of lovely and gladsome feathered creatures, many of whom, however, tarry but a short period. They remain, according to the forwardness of the season, from two to three weeks, and then pass away to breed. But there are a considerable number that continue with us until September, and in a fine April morning or May, the woods and groves are vocal with their delightful carolines. Hundreds of warblers, wrens, titmice, and nuthatches are straining their throats for the mastery. Some are engaged in the wooing and endeavoring to render themselves agreeable to their affianced mates. Every spring since has brought a caroling of lovely feathered creatures to the woods and groves of the lower Columbia River. This cast of characters may have changed over the years. The cuckoos and magpies described by Townsend have fallen silent but many of the birds first scientifically documented by Townsend still tarry a short time before passing away to breed. These include the black-throated gray warbler, Mcgillivray's warbler, and the Townsend's warbler that bears his name and can be found on the refuge's Cardi unit. The Oaks to Wetlands hiking trail on the Cardi unit is available year-round during daylight hours and consists of a two-mile loop that ranges from deep forest to great views of the wetlands. At the Cardi Unit, approximately one mile north of Ridgefield, you can experience the reproduction of a traditional Chinookan Indian plank house. During the spring and summer months, the plankhouse is typically open every weekend from noon to four. There are also many special events scheduled during this period. Please visit ridgefieldfriends.org for details. Group tours or field trips can be scheduled by calling the refuge. Don't forget to drop off this CD at the visitor contact station. You can record any of your wildlife sightings from this trip on the whiteboard there. If you would like to help us improve this refuge and share it with others, please consider signing up to be a friend and volunteer. Thank you to soundbrook.com for producing this audio tour. The Ridgefield National Wildlife Refuge is a special place set aside for conserving the nature of America. It is a place to enjoy the splendor of nature and spark the next generation's connection with wildlife. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you will come back and experience every wonderful season at the refuge.